The Land Bolton Podcast is sponsored by Murrah Ranch Group, serving buyers and sellers of legacy ranches and sporting properties with conservation values since 2005. Welcome to the Land Bulletin Podcast, where we discuss a wide range of topics impacting landowners, ranchers, and future land buyers. I'm your host, Haley Murr. Recently, founder of Murr Ranch Group, Ken Murr, and I spoke with Murr Ranch Group's Utah-exclusive marketing affiliate, Chris Caroon. In part two of our two-part series, we continue our discussion with Chris about ranches in Utah, the different aspects of water in the state, as well as his best advice for investing there. Let's see what we discovered. We've talked about water and a lot of these different live streams and continues to be a thing in the West. Um, But just based on Utah's location on the Colorado River, Lake Powell, all of those things, can you tell us a little bit about some of the different aspects of water when it comes to being a landowner in Utah? You know, water rights are are, are a huge deal in not only Utah, but some of the other, most of the other Western states. Water is becoming an issue. If you, all you need to do is turn on the national news tonight and you'll hear that the Southwest has extended drought and um, who knows you know, the talk is that we shouldn't even be calling it a drought. It's just, this is the new norm. Let's not expect that things are going to change in our lifetime. So water is precious and um, in Utah and Arizona and Nevada, there's this Colorado river compact, which everybody's talking about these days. And um, I think, Arizona is getting the the brunt of the drought. Utah is certainly suffering, and the the farmers and the, you know the farmers, the folks that make their living growing alfalfa, growing hay, or just cropping, have have kind of suffered the last this this last two summers, um, and which is a big deal. And they've been they've done a great job in in getting together and, and doing what they need to do to cut back on their water use. A lot of them have taken a lot of their um, ground out of production and, you know, as much as 50%. And so that impacts their bottom line. And, you know, the rest of the state needs to do the same. There's the, the, the counties throughout the state are issuing tens of thousands of building permits to, for new people that are uh, mostly moving into the state. Utah has always has grown considerably, but even in the, the southern part of the state, um, the Wasatch Front, northern part of the state, Davis County and um, Cache County, all these counties are experiencing significant growth. So um, we need to, this, the residents, people that water their lawns and take too long of a shower need to do our best to, to uh, cut back on water usage because it's going to be a persistent problem um, in our lifetime. And- well, you got the Bear River that services a lot of people on the, on the north. Um, uh-huh. I worked uh, some years back uh, on the Green River. Um, the Green River kind of starts in Wyoming, flows through a bit of Colorado, then comes into uh, Utah and eventually joins uh, with the Colorado there by by Moab and Archers and all that. Um, and this property was right on the border with a pretty close border of Colorado. And, and uh, it was a 3,000 acre you know, farm, not really a ranch, a farm, but they had pumps that were stationed just above the green river and they were uh-huh. pumping out of the river and uh, i think one of the biggest pivots there was about 360 uh, acres i mean one pivot 
And wow. but, you know, quite a bit of yield there because it's a nicer climate then too. You know, you're a little lower elevation. So you, and then, so you were getting at least like six tons yield per acre with some, you know, of course with utilizing some fertilizer, but that's a pretty big operation. This was almost less than 3000 irrigated acres, but a big um, irrigated place. And then that river then continues, like you said, to go and flow south. And then even worked on trees, you know, and that's Washington County, a burgeoning county. They were like, you know, some people were like, hey, can we get this water? Ultimately, we sent it to more, sold it to a, more of a conservationist in Palm Island and, and people like that who just didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to ship off the water. They wanted to keep it. And I, I think you're going to see that throughout the West. So it's just it, the cornerstone is if you can find a property with water, yeah. great. You know, um, yeah. Sandy Ranch was the same with water. So they're just not as necessarily plump, but, but you know, there's a lot of pumping too from underground water uh, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, you go Mobile. A lot of properties with with uh, natural springs. We've got a great listing up in. Um, we we do work up in being based out of Salt Lake City. We do do stuff up in Southern Idaho. Mm -hmm. Kind of reach up to there. We've got a great property that that contains ground in northern Utah, Box Elder County, as well as Cache County, Idaho, and it's got th three incredible springs that that run year round. You know, natural springs, and there's not a pump on that ranch. Wow. So everything's gravity fed. And if you can find a property like that, those are golden. So. Yeah, that's tough too, right? I mean, there's another property on the Green River I'm looking at pumping out of the river again. You know, that sometimes, and that was a new one on me too, just seeing, like I said, these built contraptions where, you, you know, you're pumping out of the river, a lot of silt that you got to deal with in some of those things. So you got to clean it and purify it. But, you know, Snowville though, when we were going on the Idaho border, there's a lot of pumping from aquifers too. And you always got to test the quality of the water and know that as part of your due diligence, what kind of water you're getting. Some of that can be a little salty, brinish, you know, and you got to mix it with more fresh water. We've seen that combination uh, of things. So just, you know, being, you know, aware what kind of zones you're at in for that purpose from an agricultural standpoint. Yeah, the state of Utah has got some great resources, online resources that we we use, as well as we have attorneys we work with that that can help sort out any issues with landowners and their water so and and you kind of brought up the saltiness and the brininess of some of the water that just you know makes me think of great salt lake how has that body of water been impacted as of late Chris? it's it's the, the great salt lake gets like most of their water from the wasatch mountains um and a lot of the water that runs off the mountains gets it's taken up through through water rights that are uh used for irrigation. And so that lake is in pretty bad shape. Mm -hmm. And the governor has taken a pretty, pretty big stance on trying to do it and as well as the state legislature to try and fix that problem, which that's kind of out, out, beyond my pay grade, but that, that is a huge issue. And mm -hmm. as are the reservoirs down south, Lake Mead and Lake Powell, so that which are you know both approaching uh, Deadpool status. From what I understand, which means the, the turbines won't run anymore because there's no water running into the infrastructure that runs the turbine. So we sound doom and gloom, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of tricky, but yeah, good, having good water is key. Yeah, make the right choices, right, yeah. of how how to preserve those. And I think certainly in Utah, the the, the Salt Lake itself just has a big impact on climate, mm -hmm. and you know, not to say even the snow. That being said, 
I do, I have heard, although I've only skied there once, that Utah does have some of the best snow water. Yeah, we do. We have great, uh, we have, we have great snow. There's been books written about it. Um, yeah. And it's apparently the, 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 you know, the precipitation, the, the cloud formations that come over the Great Basin, they, apparently they, they dry out and, and when they get to Utah, they, uh, they drop this kind of flaky, very powdery snow in the mountains. And I don't know if it's myth, but we do have some, we do have some great skiing here. A lot of the ranch recreational properties Ken and I have sold have been, you have this, the same kind of uh, situation in Colorado, but a lot of these big trophy properties within good proximity to the, some of the resort towns, specifically Park City, trade for pretty good values. Those are pretty pretty popular properties. And you get up to the Uinta Mountains, which are not far from Park City and the, and the Salt Lake area. Those are some, some beautiful areas. Heavy snowfalls, especially the, the north section of the Uintas, but uh, a lot of good, ir- tons of good irrigated ground up there. But yeah, this year will be telling, this winter will be telling, and we're all praying for good snowpack. Is it an El Nino or what's the... I think it's El Nino or La Nina. It's one of those. The forecasters love to just talk about how much snow we're going to get out of the resorts. But uh. yeah. we, we sold that Wasatch Peaks Ranch there, which is right by Weber Canyon. And I the directions, Joey's got to go here in you know Denver, you got to go west. Well, in Salt Lake, you got to go east, right, to get into the mountains and, and east of Ogden. And, and, and that property gets a lot of snow and it goes from the Weaver River all the way to the top. And when you're on the top of the mountains, you can look down on Great Salt Lake. And then that property, uh, I, what I thought was interesting, it, it was a couple, you know, 12,000 acres, whatever the, the number was, but it, a lot of it was, a, you know, with almost a lot, you know, a huge percentage was within kind of like almost an in-holding in national forest. It was yeah. surrounded by all this national forest. And that's what I, after being a public lands attorney for years too, finding those blocks like that are so rare in anywhere in the West. But there's a few of those things that have opportunities in, in, in Utah that I've noticed over the years. And this was one of them. And, uh, and, and Chris and I, we ended up saying, well, you know, we always look at the conservation kind of end of it. Can this be a conservation property? And we went through all of the machinations to, t- to see if we could do that. But we also thought, boy, this would be an awesome Yellowstone Club too kind of yeah. concept. And we marketed it as such. And lo and behold, the group bought it for that purpose. And now and they were using, you know, we sold the name or gave it the name, I guess. Well, <laughs> we came up with all that from a marketing standpoint. But I thought that was pretty creative, by the way. We did a pretty good job there. Yes. Uh, I think it was. And, you know, by the way, just to, uh, we did our, our first call was to the state of Utah to their to the uh, state parks to see if they had any interest in it. But unfortunately, yeah. I mean, good for for good or bad, they didn't. But uh, I'm hoping the folks that did buy that will uh, will you know, do a good job doing what they do. So, well, yeah. it's really neat. I mean, you know, I've lived in Colorado my whole life. I love Colorado, but to get to good skiing from Denver is getting harder and harder to accomplish. And I feel like with Salt Lake City, the ability to get to good skiing, you know, if you're, you're looking to fly into Salt Lake and get to good skiing, it's so much more accessible than a lot of other towns, which is yeah. cool, that Wasatch Project. Yeah, it's 45 yeah. minutes. You, yeah. you land, you're, you're, you're skiing, um, you're yeah. at home. And um, so that, that was... Uh, that was a cool project and they've gone through the planning and it's become very successful actually. Yeah, we wish um, them a lot. 
Yeah. And one of the another cool thing about that property, they they did participate in um, some good hunting programs, I believe, up in Utah. Can you tell us a little bit, Chris, about some of the hunting that exists up in Utah and how it's different than maybe some other states? Utah actually has they have a the, the DWR has a has a fairly good setup for hunt. You know, there's hunting units throughout the state for whether it's moose or bull elk or turkey or deer, but um, the northern part of the state has some, you know, Wasatch Mountains, the Uinta Mountains. I, I, you know, from what I understand, I'm not a huge hunter. I do, I, I'm a bird hunter. We do sell hunting properties um, and we have sold hunting properties to hunters. But, you know, generally the northern part of the state has some pretty good deer and elk herds. Um, the, the, the northern part, Uinta's Wasatch Mountains, um, you really get your bigger you know, kind of trophy bulls and mule deer down in the Henry Mountains. Some of those are hunting units. Utah has a, a cooperative wildlife management program where they, if you're, for instance, a, a landowner or a couple of landowners that can put 10,000 contiguous acres together, you can have private hunts on those. You have to do for for moose and elk, you have to put 10% of, of the of your of your permits back into the state for for a public draw but you could you could have a outfitter basically sell uh, tags to you know the, the private essentially so cwmus there's about two million acres i think there's probably i think uh, two million acres in the CW, cwmu program there's probably over 100 units throughout the state it's a very similar program so the hunters out there um, we do have a pretty robust hunting aspect to our, you know, especially the big game and, and the licensing aspect. So the CWM, the Rancher for Wildlife programs, if you're willing to look at use of your property for public hunting purposes, it does then avail you the ability to hunt longer and outside of normal, you know, public seasons to hunt. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, it's, it can be very beneficial. So look into it as you look at properties. Those are it's a, it's a very successful program. We did uh, something up in the Fish Lake National Forest before we sold a property. Again, kind of similar to Wasatch, a big inholding, basically, very near where the spider bull was taken, which was a famous, I, I can't remember, I don't know, it exceeded, you know, 400, you know, classification of bull, maybe 420, 450. I can't remember the exact size now, but it was just indicative of the quality of the hunting up, up there in Wyoming. Um, I mean, about in Utah. And so, you know, finding that, you know, again, doesn't different strokes for different folks from that standpoint about how that works and how, if you want to participate in it. But for some of our clients, that's been a big component to what they do. I mean, you can also, I think we even had moose uh, on Wasatch too. So, I mean, there's a lot of different species out there that you can, you know, you could, again, got to look through it. There's new programs that we just learned about recently in Montana that are ongoing because Montana used to be not as quite as nice to, you know, non-resident landowners. I'll put it that way. And it's getting a little easier up there, too. So you got to stay abreast of some of these changes. Uh, but those things do up in, impact value. Right. Yeah, we've been we've sold properties with CWMUs. We've we've advised landowners that are that own property or the bought property adjacent to CWMUs, and we've kind of we put folks together mm -hmm. in those instances where they, you know, somebody's bought property that they put into a, a private hunting unit. So it is a unique aspect, and um, yeah, the state's got a good DWR, and um, the state has have 
good resources on all of that. And, mm -hmm. and those properties there, they sell far and few between, but they are considered good, valuable properties based on, you know, especially for hunters. And with like, when you're talking about values and how things are selling up there, can you tell us a little bit about what the market's been like for the past couple of years? Yeah, last, last year was was a good was a good year. I mean, the last five years, well, prior to this year, I'd say we're we're really pretty decent mm -hmm. years in terms of volume and price per acres. This this year, I'd say the market's been kind of stale. Not a lot of sellers, not a ton of buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, sellers are always faced with what am I going to do? Where am I going to put my money? Mm -hmm. and, you know, land is a great investment right now if you if you have it. So there have been a couple of decent transactions throughout the state, some some hunting properties that have sold, but you know, overall it's been it's been really pretty quiet. And we we certainly have not seen the volume of buyers that we um, saw last year. We definitely have more buyers than sellers now. So good time to sell for a for a property owner. Oh yeah. And it's, a, it's a niche market, I think too. Uh, you know, we, we did a, a previous podcast, Chris, about um, some of the larger, two larger markets from a ranch standpoint, excluding like places like Texas, but in the Intermountain West, really Montana and Colorado, it's just, it, there's just more transactions, more deals, more deal flow. Places like Utah, not quite as much deal flow from the larger ranches. There's a lot of irrigated ground, unique kind of smaller irrigated places too that can be good uh, you know again the alfalfa industry is big and, and things like that from a farming standpoint there but i think it's that that's what's nice about it though it is a really cool niche market if you know because of uh, you know i i just look at the various deals we did some were really driven from the hunting side some were really driven from the ag side and then you've got this other kind of natural recreational conservation and right. and, and near national parks and the nice thing about those the, your state, Utah fits kind of our cornerstone for what we like to work on, kind of these uh -huh. legacy conservation type properties to these incredible hunting places. And, and, and then you get into, you know, the ecological stuff about water and all that. It just it, it marries so nicely kind of the bookends to what we like to work on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like working there, quite frankly. Yeah, and you know, cattle ranches in particular. You've talked to most most folks that own larger cattle ranches. They'll tell you that they they either break even or don't make a ton of money. But um, this year will probably hopefully be a good, better year for uh, uh, some of the bigger operators and even smaller operators. But I think I think just I'm, I'm I've been a broker for almost thirty years and I've never pitched, never overhyped investment value of this type of property, but I think um, I'm more and more bullish on pitching the component of investment value on these properties because if they don't make money today, I think um, just with what's going on in the world, you know, they, they're just a great hedge against a lot of things. And obviously you can't go wrong with land. That's a cliche, but there's so much potential for a lot of these properties that we market. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, outside of the Wasatch Front or portions of Southern Utah, there's so many great little pockets, um, Ken, that you've referred to that works. We're discovering whether it's northern Utah or you know, I mentioned we do stuff in southern Idaho, but there's great areas that are undiscovered. And we, we Utah's even though it's a large state, it's um, you can get around pretty quickly. And there's, you know, I enjoy the whole aspect of discovering new parts of the state and new opportunities for buyers. 
Well, heck, when I worked on the trees initially, I would fly to Las Vegas and yeah. then drive up to have the show, right? Uh, before you and I started working together. But now, you know, St. George is such a bustling yeah. airport there. Now I get direct flights and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really changed. And, and so there's just, uh, you know, as access improves, I, I think you'll see some of those areas, you know, hopefully there's still something left for everybody. And I think there are, but, you know, you just got to, I, I think, there's a place though where you can find just about anything you would like to do and mm -hmm. like i said for me you know the desert um julie my wife doesn't necessarily think that she wants to live in the middle of the desert but i just think it's so cool <laughs> well we have a good we have a good culture out here too we've got you know great great uh kind of family culture and we've got mm -hmm. uh got a good pro business environment mm -hmm. and states in a great job and sometimes in, in managing growth, but yeah, it's a, it's a great state. So. Well, you remember Haley, when you flew out from Colgate and we we're climbing and outside of Las Vegas, I picked you up and we went up to, uh, climb in Zion. Oh Angel yeah. Landing, all that. My favorite memories of just like where ranch group and ranches have been in Utah. Like when we went to Wasatch Peaks ranch and did a showing with all those guys from the East mm -hmm. that came out. And they all turned into kids because we had like a line of NATVs and everyone just like, <laughs> it's, it's special. It's a special state. Um, it was like waterfalls coming down the side of the hill that we had to go through. And yeah. That was so cool. I mean, not to mention the last time I was in Utah, however, I was driving back. My car broke down on Eisenhower, but it's fine. Utah is a special place in my heart. And just, you know, to close out, Chris, I'd love to hear, you know, you spoke a little bit about the long-term investment, but, um, you see Utah to continue to be this place where people should invest and yeah I mean, absolutely it's uh you kind of think anymore where else could I go and my take is there's other places in Utah that I would probably escape to uh Wasatch Front is it's a population has boomed there's it's gotten it's it's Utah's different than it was five years ago it's it's changed considerably I, I moved out here in the early 90s and it was from the west actually the west coast and it was it was kind of totally different environment, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's some great areas of the state that and great places to um, kind of set your roots. And uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm very bullish on it, and hopefully we'll get our water situation figured out. You know, I still have a cassette tape narrated by William Shatner mm -hmm. about floating on the on Lake Powell. I haven't done it yet. I've been to Lake Powell. I don't know how many times. Yeah. Right, we're gonna hurry up. I know. Next, Hurry up. Next broker retreat, Dad. We'll we'll get down there. <laughs> Should we do that? Yeah that, yeah, that would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think about too. You know, there, there's this other component too that I, uh, I I've worked with some of the fo folks at the uh, Amman Resort Group, and we stayed. Uh, we had the benefit to stay even down to Amanjiri, and it's kind of like that, that right near kind of the Arizona Utah border. Mm -hmm. Amazing resort, by the way. But driving through there, I remember going. You know, going through Green River and then going down to Lake Powell and uh, the Bird Trail Road and then going over and, and staying at that, oh gosh, it was a five-star restaurant there. Hell's, uh, Hell's, Hell's Back on Grill. Yeah. Can't, yeah. I, I mean, stayed there and then drove down through, uh, over to Zion. I mean, you know, what, what an adventure. Um, so I want to do that again. And so it just takes you to, you know, there's amazing places and then 
Chris, you taught me a lot about this, this the Wasatch Front. I've skied there oftentimes, but just checking that whole area out and the beauty of the aspen trees and, and the outdoors through there is just pretty incredible. So I think we yep. could have a separate podcast of Ken talking about his favorite adventures through Utah. And I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's like I'm slobbering over it. You know, it's like, oh my God, it's like a. We'll spend more time out here. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. Yeah, we're, we're jealous that you live out there, Chris. Um, yeah. And we're just so appreciative of your partnership and your knowledge um, and for coming on this live stream today with us because you know, I mean, you've been there for 30 years, you know the market, you know the people, and you know the land. So we appreciate you taking the time and we hope you can come. Out to Denver soon. Can hang out. Perfect. Thank you guys for allowing me to spend some time with you. Thank you, Chris. Happy first birthday, too. Happy first birthday. Happy first birthday. Shout out. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. Thank you for those of you who came on to our live stream today to learn a little bit more about Utah. Um, If you have further questions or you want to learn more, uh, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our website at www.murranchgroup.com or give Chris a call if you have any uh, questions about Utah. Um, or you can give the office a call at 303-623-4545. Thanks so much. See you later. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Haley Murr, and I made this episode with the help of our head of marketing, Mallory Boyce. Big shout-outs to the founder of Murr Ranch Group, Ken Murr, and our special guest, Chris Caroon. For more information on the ranch real estate market and other topics relating to ranch ownership, be sure to check out our website, www.murrranchgroup.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Land Bulletin Podcast. See you next time.